Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? What a joy to be here with you. Hey, if this is your first time at any one of our locations, sincerely, we want to say thank you and welcome. Whether you're joining us at our Banta campus, Franklin campus, Garfield Park campus, if you're joining us for the first time here at Greenwood or online, we want to say thank you for joining us. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? Thank you for accepting someone's invitation. We prayed for you and planned for you and prepared for you. Hey, if you're not brand new, welcome back. We're starting a brand new series today called The Ultimate Guide. And I'm going to jump right into our content today. How many of you enjoy going to a bookstore? Something like Barnes & Noble. Yeah, it's just an enjoyable experience. I mean, you go in and, and it's just sort of relaxing. Um, there's, there's not that many people in there and you smell books. Anybody love the smell of books? Yeah. There's always new content out there, so everyone's looking like, oh, where's the new releases? And then there's always like this, this smell of coffee in the background, right? Someone's brewing a cup of coffee. I just love it. There's cool journals. There's cool books. Just sometimes there's soft seats. Remember like pre-COVID when you can sit down in a soft seat? Uh, we'll get back to, to normal pretty soon, hopefully. Um, but Jackie and I, at, at, we would go out for a date, and then most of the time we'd end up at a bookstore and just kind of look at some stuff. And uh, maybe it's because I'm a pastor that I notice certain books in the, in the bookstore, but have you ever noticed the books that have the word Bible in the title? Have you ever noticed these? Let me give you a few examples, see if these ring a bell, if you've seen these before. Again, this might be that I'm a pastor and I notice these things, but one of them is called the Prosperity Bible, the Prosperity Bible. And it's all these like, authors that talk about success, all these different things. I noticed that one. Then there's the one called the Money Bible. I've, I've seen this one as well. Um, then there's the Sales Bible. If you're on sales or marketing, maybe you've heard of Jeffrey Gitmore or Gitmer, I can't remember how you say his name, but the ultimate guide to sales and marketing. Or maybe you've seen the Food Bible. Uh, this one is the, the ultimate reference book for food and health. You've seen this one? Anyone? Or, or, or maybe you've seen the, you know, the, the, the real estate, the ultimate guide to real estate and wholesaling Bible, like the idea is that this is an all comprehensive, you know, book on, on, on real estate and wholesaling. Then you got the training Bible. You ever seen this one? This is swimming, running, weightlifting, all that different, all that different stuff. But this by far is my favorite one. It's called the Swoley Bible, the Swoley Bible. This is a real thing. It's actually in my cart on Amazon. I'm about ready to, to purchase it. This is the, the bro science way of life, okay? Inside the book, you'll learn everything you need to know about how to get swole, okay? You wanna, if you wanna look like Pastor Cody here at the Greenwood campus, order the Swoley Bible, okay? 
Not the Holy Bible. Do not get confused about what the Holy Bible. This is the, the Swoley Bible. Um, it's, just, it's just fun. It's just fun. Why, why do authors put in this book, this word Bible into the title of their books? Isn't it because they know that the word Bible, it's, if you put it in the title, it carries this connotation of authority. It carries this connotation of uh, a comprehensive knowledge, like the ultimate God, everything you need to know about food in this book. Everything you need to know about training or weightlifting or swimming or bird watching. I'm, I'm sure there's a bird watching Bible book out there. I, if you just Google it. I mean, it's just, you put Bible in the title and people are like, oh, it's everything I need to know. I think they do that because they know that the truth of the matter is that the Bible is really the ultimate guide to our lives. Like this book is the authority on life. It tells us everything that we need to know about God. It tells us everything we need to know about ourselves. It tells us everything we need to know about how to do finances properly, parenting properly, how to do our sexuality properly, how to do friendship properly. This book is the ultimate guide to life. It has, it's an all comprehensive book of knowledge on life and God. So I love this book. It's an amazing book. Did you know that this book was written over a span of 1,500 years by 44 different authors in three different languages? Did you know that? That's amazing. And yet it has one comprehensive or one singular message from cover to cover. And, and that message from Genesis to Revelation is that God wants to reconcile with man. Amazing. Did you know that this this book is the most sold book in the history of our existence. Over five billion copies of this book have been sold according to the Guinness Book of World Records. It's also the most often stolen book according to Guinness World Records, which doesn't make any sense because when you open the book, it says, thou shall not steal. I mean, why would you steal this book? I mean, maybe people steal it because they need to read it. I don't know. That one's just a conundrum to me. This book is amazing. Did you know that this book, when it was originally published, did not have chapters or verses in it? Like those were added later so we could kind of figure out where stuff is. Imagine reading the Bible, no chapters, no verses. Amazing. This book is phenomenal. I love this book. I had a, a professor back at, in Liberty, when I was at Liberty University, when Jack and I were there, his name was Danny Lovett. And he, man, he loved the Bible. When he preached, he would just quote verse after verse, verse after verse after verse. Like his, his sermons were basically quotations from the Bible. It was amazing how much scripture he had memorized. And he would always encourage us as students to look at this one particular verse in Psalm 119, verse 105. And he would say, learn this verse because it's so true. And here's what it says. And it's burned into my brain. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he would say, learn this book, absorb this book, memorize passages because it will show you how to get through life. It'll be like a flashlight in the darkness. It'll show you where not to go. It'll show you who not to be with. It'll show you what not to think about and what not to do with your life. It'll show you what to do. It'll show you where to go. It'll show you who to be with. It'll show you what to think and what to seek and what to do. This book is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And I'm like, as a 19, 20-year-old kid, I'm like, okay, I believe it. And so I started reading it and taking it in and absorbing it. And I come, I come to find out 20-some years later, he was right. This book is a a lamp unto our feet and a light unto my path. 
There's a book written called Falling in Love with the Bible by Mike McIntosh. Listen to what he said. I love this. He said, we may read other books that are exciting or insightful or helpful. And you know that I do that and I encourage you to do that. Whether it's C.S. Lewis or Dallas Willard or whoever it is, I'm always pushing books on you guys to read, 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 read. Because they're helpful, they're exciting, and they're insightful. However... Only the Bible, I love this, is the Holy Spirit-inspired, life-giving, joy-producing revelation from heaven. Can I get an amen? Only the Bible, only the Bible is inspired by God. This book stands alone. It is completely unique because it is inspired by God. Now, what does that mean to be inspired by God? A book is inspired by God. Well, listen to what Paul said in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation, to the first book to the last book, is, say it with me, God-breathed or inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. I heard one preacher say it like this. The Bible is, shows you what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. I love this book because it's inspired by God. It is our authority. It shows us everything about God and everything about ourselves and how to live this life. And you know what? If we don't have authority, what do we have? Like, let's say this book is not authoritative. Let's say that it's just a bunch of quacks that wrote it. Let's just say that it, has, it carries no real insight for living. What do we have as a human race a bunch of opinions. We have social media. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. How's that working for some of you? <laughs> because some of you are looking to social media and you're looking to the government and political leaders and people's opinions and researchers and historians for guidance. And, and I think our world has never been more confused than it is today about life. Do you agree? I mean, up is down, and down is up, and right is wrong, and left is right, and right is left. I mean, people are so confused these days because they have no idea that this is actually the guidebook to life, and we're supposed to follow it, and that's why God gave it to us. Why do a series called The Ultimate Guide for Life? Here's why. Because we need guidance. We need guidance. We're lost. Our world is lost today. People have lost their minds we're so confused about sexuality. We're so confused about right and what's wrong and marriage. And I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing how, 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 how confused people are today. Our poor teenagers, our poor middle school students, they're so lost because the adults are so lost. Why? Because we, we're not following this book. I feel like more people today, and maybe it's just my opinion, I could be wrong, but I feel like more people today are struggling with things like depression and anxiety than ever before. I just saw a recent study that said that 18% of Americans have an anxiety disorder. 18%. You know how many people that is? That's 40 million Americans. That's just in the United States. We're stressed out. We have anxiety disorders. I saw another stat the other day. In 2018, 48,344 people committed suicide in 2018. That's like a stadium full of people. A big stadium full of people decided to end their life by committing suicide. Suicide is now the 10th leading cause of death in the United States of America. It's like, what is going on today? People are so confused, they're hurting, they're hurting themselves. They're depressed, they're stressed out. People are addicted more than ever to drugs and alcohol. I mean, entire cities, entire, entire towns in the United States of America are being wiped out by methamphetamines and other drugs and opioids. And, 
Have you ever seen anything like that? And I, I wasn't alive in the 60s, so I don't remember. But was it that bad back then? I don't know. It's bad today. Do you agree? People are struggling and they're confused about life. They're confused about where the good life is found. They're confused about what happiness looks like. They're confused about how to find contentment and how to find peace. What if all of the answers were right in this book? You might say, well, that's so naive. Okay, okay. Maybe I'm naive. But Jesus seemed to say this, okay? And Jesus, last time I checked, was the smartest human being to ever walk this planet. Now, if you disagree with me, you may have an issue because he was God in a body. It's not Albert Einstein. It's not Bill Gates. As many of us know that by now. But <laughs> did I just say that? But it's not, it's not, listen, listen. Jesus was the most intelligent human being to ever walk this planet. He had the most brains, okay? He was the smartest. We don't, we don't often think of Jesus that way because he would get down on a knee and take the children into his arms. Like, oh, Jesus the shepherd. He was a brainiac. He was smart. He could teach the top classes in any university in our entire world, okay? Jesus was intelligent. Listen to what he had to say. Everyone who hears these words of mine, now what words are those? Well, he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Whoever hears my teachings about anxiety, about stress, about sexuality, about prayer, about money. Jesus talked about a lot of stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. Whoever hears my teachings and, watch this, does them, puts them into practice, obeys them, follows them. This person will be like a wise person who's built his house on the what? On a, on a rock. And then the rain comes and the floods come, because isn't that how life goes? You know, the car accident, the cancer, the job loss, the pandemic. <laughs> and the winds blew against that house, and they beat that house hard, because that's how life is sometimes. But guess what? The house did not, say with me, it did not fall. Now, why didn't the house fall? Why didn't this person's life fall apart? Why didn't they get divorced or go into a funky depression for six months? Like, why didn't this, life, this person's life fall apart? Because it had been built on the rock. Now, how did he build the, his house on the on a rock. Well, he, he looked into the teachings of Jesus and he followed them. She followed them. And that person's life becomes rock solid. Jesus seemed to indicate that all of the answers are in this book. Did you know that this book teaches that if you follow God's word, you will have success? I wrote it like this in your notes. God promises you success if you follow his word. Now, don't get hung up on that word success. By success, I do not mean lots of money and, 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 and a Bentley and, and a mansion and fame and fortune. No, 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 no. And it, by the way, it's not wrong or sinful to have a Bentley or a nice house or anything. I'm not saying that. But that's not what I mean by the word success. I'm going to find out here what I mean by success in just a minute. But here's what God promises in this book. You will have success if you follow my word. When God was getting ready to take Joshua into the promised land, when Joshua was getting ready to take the children of Israel into the promised land, Moses had died. Remember the story? Those remember? They spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. Finally, it's time to go into the promised land. Moses dies. Joshua's getting ready to go in. And this is what God tells Joshua, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Watch this. this these, are, these are Joshua's instructions. Study this book of the law or this, this instruction continually. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
That's all Joshua had. Study that book day and night. Watch, meditate on it. Think about it continually, day and night. Then you'll be sure to, watch this, obey everything that's in it. See the key there? The key is to to read it, study it, meditate. Now, when the Bible talks about meditation, it's different from Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is when you empty your mind and you try to think about nothing, okay? Christian meditation is when you fill your mind with the truth of God's word. You take passages of scripture and you meditate and you mull it over and chew on it over and over and over, day and night, so that you will obey everything that's written where? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. When you do that, in fact, only when you do that, then you'll prosper and succeed in everything that you do. Whoa! Why didn't God tell Joshua, here's what you need to do, make a bunch of swords and shields And that's how you're going to be successful taking the promised land. Because it was occupied, if you remember, with all kind of ites. Canaanites, Hivites, Jezebites, all the ites. Why didn't God tell Joshua, the way you're going to win the promised land is through war? No, he says, no, no, no. Here's how you're going to win the promised land. You're going to get in this book. You're going to study it. You're going to meditate on it. You're going to obey it. If you do that, that's what Jesus said. You build your house on a rock. The same idea is communicated to Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47. Watch this. These instructions are not empty words. God's not just bloviating and, you know, a lot of hot air coming out of God's mouth. No. These instructions are your, say it with me, your life. In other words, your very life depends on the words that I have given you in the book of instruction. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land that you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. Can it get any simpler than that, folks? Yes or no, amen? I mean, it is so clear. If you take the word in, study it, if you meditate on it, if you memorize it, and then obey it, I will give you success. Now, what does success success mean? If it doesn't mean cars and houses and lots of money, listen. What was, what, was, what was Joshua trying to do? What was God trying to do with the children of Israel? He was trying to take them into the promised land. The purpose for the Israelites was to occupy a new space. That's what success looked like for them. For them. What does it look like for us? Well, I don't know. What's your purpose? What's the purpose of your life? Why has God put you on this planet? Has he called you to be a, a teacher? A stay-at-home parent? A police officer, he's called me to be a pastor. The purpose of my life is to help people come to Christ and grow in Christ. I'm on a relentless pursuit to help as many people do that. That's the purpose of my life. So success for me is, is, is seeing many, many people come to Christ and grow in Christ. What about you? What's the purpose of your life? See, biblical success is living out God's purpose for your life. It's not money and fame and fortune. And again, it's nothing, if you have that, that's not sinful. It's not wrong to like nice things. But that's not biblical success. How do we achieve biblical success? How do we fulfill God's purpose for us? We take this book in. We read it. We study it. We meditate it. We hear what Jesus had to say. We put it into practice. We obey it. And we build our lives on a rock. Yes or no? Yes or no? Is this, is this making sense? What if all the answers were right here? In this book, here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to do. Over the next couple of weeks, I'd like to look at some passages of scripture that have shaped my life for the last 20 years. 
and I'm just gonna download them to you in hopes that they will have the same effect on your life that they've had on mine. All of what I'm gonna share with you over the next four weeks is driven by this concept that the word of God is the ultimate guide for our lives. That's how I've based my life on. I've, I've, I put all my chips on that idea that this is the authority in my life, okay? Without this, I've got the opinions of people, and that's not good enough for me, and it's not good enough for you either. So I'm gonna turn to this first principle today, follow along, I'm gonna fly through this because I don't have much time left. The first principle I wanna look at today is you always reap what you sow. This principle has transformed my life. You always reap what you sow. It comes from the book of Galatians, which is a letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in Galatia. Galatians chapter six, verse seven, and then we're gonna look at verse eight. Follow along with me. Do not be deceived, don't be fooled, don't kid yourself, another way to say it. God will not be mocked, he will not be fooled or faked out, okay? You can't do that. He always sees your motives, he, might, he looks at your actions, but then he looks at your heart, okay? Why are you doing this? You can't fool me, you can fool others, but you can't fool me, God says. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Or whatever one plants, that will he also harvest. It's another way to say it. It's a farming illustration. Now, in this particular passage, Paul is talking about your soul. He's talking about their heart. He's talking about becoming a Christ-like person. I know not everyone here today is a Christ-like person. It's our desire that you would become one. But bear, bear with us as we look at what Paul is saying to a bunch of Christians here. Okay, so let's look at verse 8 to kind of apply this principle of sowing and reaping. He says, for whoever sows to please the flesh, as a Christ follower, you still have this thing called the flesh or the sinful nature. If you sow to it or surrender to it or yield to your sinful nature, you're going to reap something. Watch what he says. For from the flesh, you will reap, say it with me, destruction. In other words, if you are a Christian and you sow to, the, uh, to, to your flesh with lust and pornography and things of that nature, and then you end up cheating on your spouse or you end up doing something sexually that you should not do that the Bible permits, you're going to destroy your marriage. You might destroy your health with an STD. You might destroy your reputation in the community. That's what Paul is saying. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. That's just how it works. On the other hand, if you sow to the Spirit, capital S, because as believers, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you surrender, yield, or sow to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit, eternal life. Not going to heaven when you die. Yes, going to heaven when you die. That's included. That's part of the package. But eternal life right now. It begins right now. What does that look like? It looks like peace, a clean conscience. It looks like joy. It looks like healthy relationships. It looks like contentment. It looks like satisfaction. It looks like happiness. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. If you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. You with me, yes or no? It's just a principle. It's just a, it's just a rule. That's, that's how God has set things up for human beings. Now, this principle of sowing and reaping is at play across the board in your life. It's not just uh, a principle that applies to the development of your soul. It applies to your marriage. The law of sowing and reaping is, if those of you are married, is impacting your marriage today. If, if you have friendships, it's impacting your friendships. If you're a, class, if you're a student, the law of sowing and reaping is at play in your GPA, okay? Okay? Like it's, it's, it's in your finances, the law of sowing and reaping is at play with your, your bank accounts 
are a reflection of the law of sowing and reaping. Our mental health, we talk a lot about mental health today because it's very important, especially having gone through the pandemic, we're still going through the pandemic, a lot of people struggling with mental health. Mental health is a result of the law of sowing and reaping. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter eight, verse six. For to set the mind, your thoughts, okay? What you're thinking about, what's occupying the space between your ears, you have the power to to set it on something. If you set your mind on the sinful nature or bad content or bad news, if you're constantly watching the news, if you're constantly scrolling through what other people are doing on Instagram, if you set your mind on certain types of things, you will experience something. You will reap something. You will reap death. However, if you set your mind on the Spirit, capital S, what the Spirit is wanting, what the Spirit desires, what the Spirit is thinking, the result will be life and peace. Now, does, I'd rather have life and peace than death. Anybody? Well, that's, that's the law of sowing and reaping. You see, the law of sowing and reaping is like gravity. It's like the law of gravity. Does anybody like the law of gravity? I mean, I guess we should all like the law of gravity because without it, we'd be floating out into space. I personally don't like the law of gravity because I would like to dunk a basketball like Michael Jordan. And see, the law of gravity prevents me from doing that, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen Michael Jordan take off from the foul line. Now he can't do it anymore because he's like 60. But back in the day, the dude took off from the free throw line and that's 15 feet from the rim and the rim is 10 feet high and that dude put his tongue out, put his legs up and, and jammed that thing. And I'm like, I want to do that. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. And then you hit the law of gravity, okay? And less athletic ability. Okay, but that's not the, that's not the point. That's, that ruins the illustration. No, I, I don't like gravity. I don't like gravity because it stops me from doing what I want to do. You know what? The law of gravity doesn't care that I don't like it. It doesn't. The law of gravity doesn't care if you don't like it. doesn't care if you like it. Law, the law of gravity doesn't care about you. It's just a thought. It's just a law. Did you know that the law of sowing and reaping is the same way? It doesn't care about you. It doesn't want to bless you. It doesn't want to curse you. It doesn't love you. It doesn't hate you. It's just a law. It just happens to be the way things work. If you put corn seed in the ground, you get corn. You put cotton seed in the ground, you get cotton. You put bean seed in the ground, you get beans. It doesn't care. It's just sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. What makes the difference is what you do with it. See, the law of sowing and reaping right now is either blessing or cursing you. And and you're the one that determines whether or not the law is blessing you or cursing you depending on what you're sowing. Is this making sense? Paul takes the law of sowing and reaping and he applies it to to the finances of the the church in Corinth. Listen to what he says. He's trying to get them to, to be more generous and to give more and to sow more money into the church. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, a person only gives a few dollars to the church, some pocket change when the buckets go by, will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously, who digs deep, writes a big check and just throws lots of cash, will get a generous crop. See, the law of sowing and reaping is at play in your mind. It's at play in your finances. It's at work in your marriage. It's at work everywhere, and it's either blessing you or cursing you. You know what I love about this law? And I I live my life based on it. I love it because you're always sowing. You're always sowing. 
Therefore, you can always change your life. I think we should pray. I think we should pray. I think we should ask God for big things. I think we should trust God. I'm the first one to say have faith in God. And then there's, I'm also the first one to say, God is not gonna do for you what he has called you to do for yourself. See, the law of sowing and reaping puts the ball in your guts. Like God says, oh, you want a GPA, 4.0? Then go study. Oh, you would like to have a six-pack of abs? Then go to the gym, put the chips down. Like, you can pray for a six-pack. I Maybe you should. But God is not going to zap one into your body because the summer's coming. And you'd like to take your shirt off at the beach. Ain't going to happen, folks. See, God is not going to do for you what he's called you to do for yourself. This is the law of sowing and reaping. He's going to put the ball in your hands, and he's going to say, Run. And go with it, and I will meet you, and I will support you, and I will add my supernatural to your natural efforts. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's at play everywhere in our life. The other day, uh, not the other day, last year, I went to the doctor, and I had my, my checkup with my, I had a new doctor, and, and he took all the blood work and all that stuff, and he says, hey, everything looks great except for your cholesterol. I'm like, what? Dude, I mean, I'm, I'm healthy. He's like, yeah, your cholesterol is over 200. I said, well, that's weird. And he said, it's the bad kind, too. I said, well, that's not good. What does that mean? He said, it's the kind that gets stuck in your veins, causes heart attacks. I said, well, that's not good. What do I got to do? He said, well, you probably eat a lot of, like, you know, fried food and chips and red meat and stuff like that. I said, well, that's the good stuff, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's the good stuff. Right? What do you... Yes, I like chips. I like hamburgers. I like, the... I like meat, you know? And he said, here's what you got to do. Here's... Here's... It's real simple. Stop with the... with the beef and the fried foods. Just stop it. Or if you do it, do it very, very rarely, and you'll see your cholesterol come down. It was the law of sowing and reaping. So for the next six months, you can ask my wife. She's like, I said, no more red meat, no more tacos, no more this, you know, steak, whatever. No, we're just not going to do, I'm not going to do that. And you know, it, it, within six months, I got my cholesterol down to like 190. It just went down, just like that. It's the law of, I could have prayed for it. I could have. And, and to be honest, I probably did. Hey, I don't want to die from a heart attack. You know, help me with the cholesterol. <laughs> And then God says, stop eating tacos. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's real, like, put, no more steak. I mean, it, this is not complicated, right? We overcomplicate this stuff. Let me ask you a hard question today. What are you harvesting right now? Like, right now, what's your harvest look like? Do you have piles of anxiety? A doctor would say to you, look, take a look at what you're sowing. Are, are you overweight by 30 pounds? Take a look at what you're sowing. Is your life filled with anger uh, at people? And you blow up? Take a look at what you're sowing. Like the condition of our, like whatever, you, what, whatever harvest you have is a result of how you've been sowing. We've got we've to understand this because right now we live in a culture where people are harvesting all kinds of things and they're pointing the finger at other people. And they're blaming other people for the condition of their life. They're, they're blame shifting for their harvest. And we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be adults about this. We gotta say, no, it's, it's, wait, if, if I have a harvest, it's, it's because of my choices. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Here's a hard truth, and, and this would not get me elected, which is why I'm not a politician. 
Your harvest is no one else's fault. It's the result of your planting. You are where you are today primarily because of what you've been sowing in the ground. You put corn seed in the ground, you're going to get corn. If you continually watch cable news every night, the bad news, how many more people died, how many more murders, how many this, how many, oh my gosh. If you watch that every night, you're sowing negativity in your mind. No wonder you're, you have a harvest of fear and worry and anxiety. That's what you're so, I don't even watch that stuff anymore. You can ask my wife, we don't even watch it. Because we noticed the harvest, we didn't like the harvest. Some of you look at Instagram and, and, and social media all day long and the arguments and what people are wearing and their, their shoes own the purses. And you compare your life to, to, to their shoes to your shoes and her hair to your hair and their vacation to your vacation and his muscles to your muscles. And it's like, you know, and, and, and then you look at your harvest and all you have is envy and jealousy. Where's the harvest coming from? You're sowing that into your mind. No wonder you have a harvest of envy and jealousy. It's no one else's fault. The result that you're getting is coming from your planting, from your sowing. Now, the beautiful thing about this idea is that it's empowering. I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm trying to be honest and talk about reality. This truth, however painful it might be in the the beginning, I heard somebody say it like this once, the truth will pin you down before it sets you free. So it's a little bit tricky. It doesn't feel good at first, but boy, man, it'll set you free when you get your brain wrapped around it. It, This truth will put the ball in your court. It'll empower you to say, wait a second, what you're saying is if I want a different harvest, then I can start sowing different seeds. Yes! And so what I'm saying is that the condition of your life is really in your hands. You want to be healthier? You can be healthier. You want to have a better relationship? You can have a better relationship by sowing different seeds. Now, all that being said, I know that there are exceptions to this rule. I know it. Somebody flies through a stop sign, smashes into your car, and and now you have chronic back pain. And it was not your fault. And now you have this harvest of pain you got to deal with. I get that. You grew up in a home and your father abused you maybe in a horrible way. And you did nothing to cause that. And now you have all of this trauma to deal with and this stuff to unravel with. I get it. There are exceptions to the rule. But let us not turn the exceptions to the rule into the general rule itself. Can we be adults about that? Can we? If you don't like the harvest that you have, change what you've been sowing. Wow, what an empowering truth. I've seen this about human beings. This is just my observation. I could be wrong. Listen, write me an email after the sermon. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm willing to talk about it. But this is what I've observed thus far. There's nothing more empowering to a human being than telling them the condition of their life is in their own hands. There's nothing more crushing to a human being than saying, you are a victim. Stop trying. The law of sowing and reaping says, the condition of your life is in your hands. Start sowing differently. Here's the question I want to leave you with. What will you sow? What will you sow? What kind of seeds are you going to put in the ground? What, will you, what, what content will you consume? What people will you run with? What will you say over lunch this afternoon to your family? Sowing. So you're always sowing, therefore you're always reaping. 
What will you sow? My heart today for you is to start sowing better so that you can get a better harvest. You know, I left something out earlier that Jesus said, and I'll wrap up with this. Jesus said, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds his house on a rock. And then the winds come and the rains come and the floods come and they beat on that house. But, but, but the house doesn't fall because it's built on a rock. I left out what he said next. And this really is my motivation for all of you, and this is the motivation for myself. Look at verse 26 and verse 27. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. You come to the sermon, you read the Bible. I ain't doing it. I don't agree with it. I'm not going to obey the Bible. Does not do them. This person is a foolish person who built his house on the beach. Not a good idea. He built his house on the sand. And then... The rains come, and the floods come, and the winds blow, and they beat on against that house, and watch what happens to that house. It fell, and great was the fall of it. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about your life falling apart. Financially, emotionally, I already mentioned that 48,344 people committed suicide in 2018. Life spirals out of control. When you hear and you do not obey. I don't want that for you as your pastor. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for this church. The Bible is the ultimate guide for life. What if all of the answers, this is why I read it every day, every day. My streak right now on, on version is 731 days in a row. Now, I say that because it's fun. And last night, this uh, girl came up to me. She's like, well, mine's 829. I was like, good for you. I'm happy for you. You're beating me. <laughs> get in the word of God. There's so, get the version app. Take one verse. Take Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Memorize it. Study it. And watch. Watch the harvest in your life change. It's beautiful. That's my heart for you. And as we wrap up today, I mentioned that this book was written over a 1,500-year period by 44 different authors in three different languages, and it has one central message from cover to cover. God wants to be reconciled to you. And God sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to remove the barrier, which was sin, and the penalty of sin, which was death, if you've ever wondered why did Jesus die on the cross, why did he stretch out his arms, and why was he murdered by the Romans and the Jews? Why was he killed like that? He had to be killed. That's the penalty of death. On the cross, Jesus took the penalty of death that you should have paid, that I should have paid. He did it for you so that you can be in fellowship with God. The central message of the Bible is reconciliation between God and man. And if you put your trust in Christ today, you can experience that relationship. I'm not talking about joining a religion or joining our church or anything like that. I'm talking about you and God having a relationship by faith. If you'd like to reach out in faith right now and ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. Take these words, turn it into a conversation between you and God. It's a prayer he loves to answer. I'll give you the words, you pray it. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. 
Thank you for taking the penalty I should have paid. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me of my sin, wash me, make me your child. I put my trust in you, that you died for me and you rose again, that I might become one of your kids. From this day forward, may the scriptures be the ultimate guide to my life. Help me to study it, meditate on it, and obey it so that I could fulfill your purpose for my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? Come on, nice and loud, he's changing lives. If you trusted in Christ today, we would love to get you started with what we call our starter kit, our save box. The Bible says whoever calls upon the, on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're at any one of our physical locations, you can text the word SAVE to 65248. Pick one of these up at the information desk. There's a Bible in here. There's some instructions on the church, how to get connected. There's also a free coffee mug in here for you as well. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, text the word SAVE to 65248, and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church. Can we give God glory? Amen. The Bible is the ultimate guide to life. Take it, read it, study it, obey it, and watch your harvest change. Will you pray with me? And then we're gonna hand things off to the local teams. Father, thank you so much for the scriptures. Thank you that they are inspired by you. This book is unique. It stands alone. There's nothing like it. It's the authority. It's our guide. Help us to study it. Help us to follow it. Thank you for the scriptures. It is our very life. When we follow it, when we obey it, we build our lives on a rock. Give us the wisdom to do so. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, I'm going to hand things off to the local teams. God bless you. We will see you next week.